Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Swiss Army Man. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed without having seen the film, just be aware that some elements of the plot are discussed and thus will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Good evening. I see you are entering this episode with the same tone and care that Swiss Army Man gave us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we had to experiment with my farts just to see if I had any special powers, but I don't think I do, actually. Did Did you get anything out of that? Yeah. Oh, no, shit, I'm on fire. No, I'm not. The fire is the out. human torch. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Swiss Army Man is basically just X-Men, right? It is, is it is, is the, X-Men. Is the human torch one of the X-Mans? He is not. The human torch is one of the Fantastic Fours. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know my X-Mans from my Fantastic Fours. One of them has a man on fire. I think there is an X-Man which sets himself on fire and flies around, though. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but not one of the main ones. You've got Laser Eyes McGee. Laser Eyes McGee. Claws Fre- Man. Fre- freezing Cold Woman. <laughs> um, psychic. She's not a woman in a refrigerator. Psychic, too. She's a refrigerator personified. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think I've ever seen an X-Men movie, honestly. Have you not? I really don't yeah. think I have. I think I used to watch the cartoons back in the day. Ah, oh, the cartoon was On a Saturday general. morning. Yeah. That, that, I remember that being very good. the greatest theme tune on, of any Saturday morning cartoon. It was so good. It was. Here come the X-Men, here come the X-Men. They all have got an X on their outfits. <laughs> They're very First cool. First there was an X, then there was a man. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, when I, I th- tried to think of a pop song to sing it to then. The first one that came into my head was Careless Whisper because it's your karaoke song. But I couldn't figure <laughs> out how to make it work. I never want to fly again. Magneto has grabbed my fingers. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking of when obviously Magneto always controls Wolverine's claws, which is the only reason why Wolverine doesn't just cut his head off. He's a man who can do magnet things. He does he does the metals. Hence he the name. More metal than Download Festival. Oh man. There, there's I, a nice I, reference for you. Have you ever been to the Download Festival? I have not been to Download. No, I've heard very good things about it. I have not and either. It's... When I was a teenage metalhead, I really wanted to go. But it was always just that bit too far. And it was like download or Reading. And it was like all my mates were going to Reading. And Reading was actually always good. It was always a good time. But they always had a mix of like metal and emo and punk and things from the rock spectrum. And one and one rap artist who had chairs thrown at them every year. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. About, um, yeah. Reading. I witnessed the, um, the, uh, the bottling of 50 Cent and G-Unit. 
I didn't throw uh, anything myself. I, I'm not that kind of guy, even then. Yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't really get that about festivals is being a dick at a festival. It's never really been my thing. No, it, um, it is a major part of being a festival. Whether... <laughs> well, that's why I go to festivals where there's not a major part of it. So I used to go to Bestival, um, went to the Isle of Wight Festival, went to Latitude, places where generally people chill out and listen to music and have fun. Latitude, yeah, I, I had a really good time at Latitude that one time I went there. I don't remember anyone being a dick apart from possibly people talking very, very loudly about things in the line for a vegan sausage. <laughs> that's very Latitude. Yeah. But you, you can't tell me there weren't any dickheads at Bestival, surely. No, there weren't. They're, the only dickheads were people who were high on stuff, and then it was just they're, they're happy being high on some kind of substance and dancing around. Whereas yeah. Reading is, we're 17 and let's set fire to things, or we're 17 and let's pee everywhere. That, that, that's the two settings of Reading, is fire and pee. Yeah. And it's um, somewhere you can hear the Arctic monkeys droning. <laughs> I thought those were the the two types of new Pokemon. <laughs> I'll have you know that fire has been there from the beginning, and P Pokemon were added in Generation Four, Paddy. Yeah, not, thank you very much. Not part of the original one hundred and fifty. Ergo, get out. <laughs> not not featured in the Poke Rap. Unless you're in the Poke Rap, you're not a Pokemon. Now, I, I people always bring yeah, up and Pikachu that, doesn't count. People always bring up that Pokemon haven't had good designs since the first generation. And like, oh, they got so lazy with their designs. Excuse me, have you looked at the Pokemon called Seal from the first generation of Pokemon, which is a seal? It is It is not going to offer me a kiss from a rose. All it's going to do is sit there and look like a seal. A kiss from a Pokeball. A poker kiss wait i'm looking is it literally just oh it's seal e-e-l yeah yeah yeah. and that was first generation they haven't got any more lazy with their designs (laughs) or any more weird with their designs they have lots of weird stuff literally just a fucking seal it's got a little bit little horn which regular seals don't have but yeah to all intents and purposes it is a seal called seal and then there's dugong which is a fucking dugong dugong it's 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 evolved form is just a dugong called dugong (laughs) Or a Pugong, if you will. Goddamn outrageous. That's what yeah. I'm going to say. Hang on. There's one called Jupiter. D-E-W-P-I-D-E-R. Okay, that is hellish. Jupiter. S- it's the water spider. Number 751. That is nightmarish. I do not yeah. want to see that. <laughs> it's, he's, he's not a beautiful little boy, is he? No. Um, but did, have you seen the evolved form Araquanid? Which is equally oh, not hell a, no, not a beautiful boy. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. I'm not. An, I don't have a fear of spiders, but it's, it's occasionally they can creep me out. Po- Pokemon is full of scary stuff. Um, there are. <laughs> Sorry, I just found one called Guzzlord. G U Z Z L O R D. Guzzlord number seven nine nine. Of course, and then it's one, one of called... the Ultra Beasts. I'll have you know. Mudsdale, which just sounds like a town in Wales. M- Mudsdale is a big muddy horse. Yep. Um, that, 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 that's its personality trait, a big muddy horse. Yeah. Um, but no, that there's some there's some really disturbing Pokemon there. there. There's one which is a mask, and it's like a death mask of a human being, and the soul of the human being has been trapped in eternity of hell in this mask that then becomes a Pokemon that a 10-year-old child catches and uses to fight other Pokemon. 
You just imagine, I've got a Pikachu. What have you got? I've got the soul of an ancient human being who has been in eternal <laughs> torment. Here's a mask of its face. Or there's there's the balloon that, that snatches children and, and drifts away with them to do something with them. Isn't that the plot of a Stephen King book? I, I, I am not kidding. That is an actual <laughs> that is an actual Pokemon. What's it called? Drifloon. Drifloon. <laughs> Looks like a balloon. Looks like a balloon. And then children are like, oh, I'll take that balloon. And then it just lifts off with them and steals them away to God knows where. Yeah. That is that is what it does. They did not get lazy with the newer Pokemon newer Pokemon. They got high. Like they got they got they they had a load of mescaline and they were like, right, let's scar some children for life. <laughs> See, before we had this chat, I was genuinely looking forward to one day sharing Pokemon with my son, and now I'm going to try and hide it from him his whole life. You, you need to, you need to get the Pokemon unleashed on your child because kids need to learn these things. They need to learn that they can have independence at ten years old, but with great power comes great responsibility. And also, watch out for creepy balloons. It's full of life lessons that any child should know. Okay, as I found one called Charger Bug. Oh yep, the the electric bug. <laughs> and it looks like a phone charger with horns. Yep, it is dumb. I hate it. Yep. That's one of my least favorite. This is all really bad, but somehow really great <laughs> at the same time. Some of them are great, like the the water monkey and the fire monkey and the grass monkey that look exactly the same. I'm just on, all... I'm on the Pokemon site and I'm going on like there's a, like a random like you can just randomly generate them or whatever and this. <laughs> That's one called Nose Pass. Yes, Nose Pass is my dude. It's like a big walking stone nose. And it evolves into something stupid. What does it evolve into? It evolves into um, uh, Probo Pass, it's called, which has a moustache. It's a big nose with a moustache. This is all extremely bad and upsetting, but also <laughs> kind of extremely good as well. I love Pokemon, and I love all of the modern Pokemon that they've created. I say modern. I think Probopass has probably been around for a decade now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I love them. Yeah, look up Simipore and tell me that that is not an amazing head of hair. How do you spell that? S-I-M-I-P-O-U-R. Oh, wow. Look at that hair. That is great hair. <laughs> That's like looks like Meowth went to the salad. He's, he is a dude, my little Simipore. No, if anything, the original 150 are the laziest. Although it did take me a long time to realise that Ekans is snake backwards. Yes. And Arbok is cobra, but with a K. Yep, yep. Whereas they have they have created some kind of original-looking Pokemon, um, including the um, Mexican wrestler Luchador Bird. <laughs> I've forgotten what it's called. Um, it's called. It's called like Lucha or something like that. Um, he's a dude. Or the big muscly Pokemon that lifts girders, <laughs> which is it's called something like girder. <laughs> um, and Pokemon. they can't find one called Guy Fieri. Well, they have Growlithe, who is Guy Fieri. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Growl- Red- Grow- it goes Growlithe, Arcanine, Guy Fieri. <laughs> Guy Fieri, all one word. He is a he is a legendary Pokemon. We have established this, Paddy. Absolutely. So you know, yeah, that most of the like le- ones after five hundred just look like the weird shit that I would draw on my like on my notebooks in school, like when I was bored in about year ten. Yes, that's exactly what they are, and that's why I love my special boys. Which is kind of you know much the tone of the film Swiss Army Man, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it feels like something that someone doodled in year ten. Yeah, and did not really build upon. So, like, that's the oh, that's the kind of thing that I might. Well, given that I, th- I think I'm quite an immature person in some ways, and a mature person in many others, and I think that there's the mark of a truly serious man to be able to laugh at a fart and appreciate that farts are always funny. But like, that's the kind of thing that I might have written in a moment of madness when we were even probably doing our masters in creative writing. But instead, I wrote a sitcom treatment about two men trying to sell a portrait of the Elephant Man, which is mildly worse. But <laughs> I think that is much better. But Paddy, if you had taken forward your idea of Swiss Army Man, I think it would have been much more articulate than the finished product. Yeah, that's the thing about this film. It's like you're not... you. Like it finishes and then you're like, I have no idea what that was about or what it was trying to say. But there's still something about it that I really love. Like I feel really conflicted about it. I do not feel as conflicted as you. Uh, There is very little about this movie that I loved. I liked parts of it, but overall it kind of got a, a, you know, got a bit of a shrug from me. I'm not going to lie. It didn't. I, yeah, I didn't love it as much on a second viewing, and I feel like it's not necessarily going to be one that like I return to over and over. But I did have a desire to watch it again, and the first time I remember really, really loving it. And I was a bit drunk. I will say that me and Adam watched it, and we were quite drunk, and we were laughing a lot at all of the farts, which I think helps. And I think it it def I think that's definitely the kind of audience that it's made for as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think so. But. It's not just a bunch of fart nonsense. It's not just toilet humor. It's, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of other stuff buried in there about life and love and his journey home and him being a weird stalker and getting arrested and stuff. Like, it's, yeah, it's got everything. <laughs> Particularly the, the last couple of bits, <laughs> which kind of came out of, well, they didn't come out of nowhere because he was a weird, creepy man talking to a corpse in the woods. But... No, but there was a um, slow reveal of all of that. At first, yes, you, you think yeah. that he's just a guy who's trying to find his way home and he's found this Swiss Army man who's helping him find his way home and then the narrative gradually creeps in about this woman and then it ter- it turns out that like she was just someone that he saw on the bus and then took a picture of which and then you're like oh okay yeah maybe he's the creep and then they they stumble into her backyard and you're like oh okay but in in that sense i think that the ending is really really good because it's not necessarily it's redemption for for Manny the corpse but um Baldino's character Hank you know that he's about to go to prison so it's not necessarily redemption for him but that kind of you really feel like actually the the real world crashes into the film in the last 10 to 15 minutes and you're like actually life isn't about Swiss army men and farts and all that kind of stuff life there there's all this real life stuff that you have to deal with and you can't run away from your responsibilities and that's what I took from it anyway yeah and I think in some ways it worked in some ways it didn't and I think some of the navel gazing you're supposed to critique and some of it is there in a quite straightforward straight up look at this fashion yeah um the way that this movie talks about women is sometimes weird um and i don't necessarily think all of that is a critique and 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 this is something that i think we'll talk about when we eventually get around to ruby sparks is how much of that was how much of your hatred of the main character in that movie is deliberate and how much of it is 
accidental. And I think this movie has a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe it's just something about the roles that Paul Dano takes. <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah. how, how, how much of, of, of Hank are you supposed to dislike in this film and how much of it are you supposed to like? See, I don't come away disliking him, disliking him especially, but I do come away feeling, well, he's acted like a weird stalker and he has to pay the price for his actions. So it's right that he's going to jail at the end. But I still feel like he's a he's essentially a good person who's been through some tough times, you know, with the there's the weird thing with his mother and not be, being distant with his father and you just feel like he's hard done by. But it wants you to think that because it's from his point of view. Yeah, and I'm not sure how far that tracks because lots of people have difficult situations like that. Um and not all of them um go around saying the kind of weird things that he does and then stalking someone who they see on the bus. Yeah. It's not okay to take pictures of people on the bus. No. Unless it's me. If you see me on the bus, you can take <laughs> if as many you see pictures a photo, you like. If you see Paddy on the bus, take a photo of him. But um, I never if ride If you the see bus, me on the so... bus, do not take a photo of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Twitter. OMG, saw at Robert Gordon today. He looked ill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I probably did look ill. Um, <laughs> That's a Stuart Lee line, isn't it? Just it it the, is. It, yeah. What's the other one? He looked fat. He yeah, actually he looked fat back. and depressed and fat. He looked fat and depressed <laughs> and fat, yes. Oh, yeah. um, so no, you, I, you know, you, you don't come out of it thinking that Hank is necessary, is a saint, but I still feel like he's not all bad, you know? I think he's pretty bad. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to um some of the random like the, the the random fascination with romance that this movie has so 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 although this movie is not a movie about romance in a way it is and in a way it's about that kind of love and relationship yeah um and which is why i wanted to talk about it because it's not yeah. just about the the bromance the romance but the platonic romance between the two central male characters but he hank is also chasing romance isn't he Yes. Um and and a lot of what he says in the movie is is quite weird. So so one of the things that I sort of took away um from it was he talks about how how internet porn has ruined women. Yeah. And things like that. And it's like that's a bit of a weird thing to say, mate. It's it's a it's it's, it's a weird thing um w- without getting too into too much detail. Um in the age before internet porn people were still obsessed with sex and in the age before television they were still obsessed with sex um looking beneath the surface the victorian era for instance was not an area where um everyone was prim and proper all the time as much as there was that facade of it and instead it was a very dirty time when it came to sexual activity um that's not a modern thing and i think there's a lot of um worship of the female form in this movie in a way that's quite uncomfortable and yeah, I'm not yeah. sure how much of that is specifically you're supposed to then critique Hank off the back of it and how much you're supposed to then revel in his developing of an understanding of humanity through it. Yeah, that's that's the aspect of it that is kind of confusing. And you, I, I felt like he, he sort of, he knows that what what's he's, what he's doing is wrong, but he still does it anyway. So you're like, oh, okay, fine. So yeah, it's, it is a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit strange. But I think the the fact that it ends, the very last shot is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is the woman that he's been kind of stalking, is her just going, what the fuck? 
that that's a really really good ending shot that actually does get all that across where it's like you know it it it's actually then ends on her point of view rather than his yes and and that that was good um i i did worry for a moment that it was going to do a a shocking twist reveal where it's been hank dragging a corpse through the woods the entire <laughs> time and it was all in his head and it yeah. turned out that actually he'd just been playing with a corpse in the woods next to this woman that he stalked and i was like oh please don't do that like i, I didn't want it to do that and, and i think that the end kind of pulled it back a little bit where it does have the sort of magical farting uh away <laughs> of of daniel radcliffe um yeah. i i think this might be the first thing that i've watched with daniel radcliffe in where i liked him oh really yeah have you seen what's that thing where he's with in, he tim and zoe kazan it's the canadian rom-com and he's in it and he plays himself more or less but he was actually quite good in that i thought yeah i've heard i've was it what if Is yeah what that's if? the one we I've should talk about that good. some other time and, but and i heard, i enjoyed uh, that and I've heard he's good in Kill Your Darlings as well. I've heard he's good in that. But of the, of the things that. that I've seen him in, it's basically just been Harry Potter and The Woman in Black. Um, and, I, and I've always liked Daniel Radcliffe as a person. And I think in interviews he's always come across well, but he's never really gelled with me in a performance. He um, has good taste he was... in music. He likes the hold steady. Well, there we go. <laughs> um, but I thought in this, he was he was very good. It was very effective playing a corpse. Um, but not just playing a corpse, playing a magical farting corpse. Um, it's the it, his performance in this is kind of unique, and I think that's what this movie needed. So yeah. while Paul Paul Dano is Paul Daning is Paul Danoing his way through the forest, admittedly with a beard some of the time. Yeah, um, which is good. Daniel, Rag- Daniel Radcliffe is delivering quite a unique performance here, and it's exactly what the movie needed. And it did, you know, it did a good job. I think I think he was very good in this film. I think both of their performances are good, but yeah, his performance in this is absolutely outstanding. It's that it's like nothing else really, and I think it it would have been a challenge for any actor, and I think he yeah he really pulls it off. It's quite difficult because he does talk, and he's he's a corpse, but he's sort of animated, um, and as the film goes on, he gets more and more animated and talks, but is still essentially talking kind of in a zombie way, and. Yeah, it 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 really it really works actually, and it's it's funny, but it's also kind of touching, and it's also strange, and there's there's a real there's a carnivalesque element to it, isn't it? There's a, it's really big on the carnivalesque and the sort of the Bactinian grotesque, isn't it? Yes, and and you know I love a bit of grotesque. <laughs> you're gonna say you you're you're a fan of the carnivalesque. <laughs> I am a fan of the carnivalesque. Every time so, I come around your house, you're jumping up and down and shitting on the floor, and then punching me, and then singing singing songs, and then playing the flute. That that is exactly what I do. Twenty three hours of the day, the last hour of the day, sleeping. Um, and um, but yeah, so I like I like that aspect of it, and I like the chaotic nature of this movie. Um, I thought that was um that that really worked and and the kind of off the wall nature i think they really captured that in film which is a very rare thing to do there's not many movies that managed to do that um where you never really knew where it was going to go next um i did not like the f- constant farting though I, that really irritated me <laughs> within about um, with about within about a minute of this movie starting i was like oh for fuck's sake what's paddy sent me <laughs> what, what am i doing with this film and See, and, and, and I, if it wasn't daniel radcliffe and paul dana you'd think i just sent you a fart film i think you would have just sent me a fart <laughs> movie. like like harold and kumar or something 
Yeah, you sent me a. I was, I was expecting our boy um, Adam Sandler to turn up any minute, doing some kind of racist <laughs> accent. Um, hey, have you seen any of Adam Sandler's new Netflix stand-up special? No, it's actually really good. I will take your word for it. I have no interest in watching. I watched it. about half of it the other day. It's actually really funny. How and many racist accents did he fit into the half hour that you watched? None at all. None at all. None at all. No, no. It's all just him doing little like stupid songs and like it's really silly but really playful and funny and enjoyable. And he is kind of laughing at himself. It's good. Oh, someone's got to, haven't they? Um, so sorry, I will. Adam. I will never stop apologising for Adam Sandler. <laughs> um. So. Um. But yeah, so so I really found that immaturity quite grating, um, and and I think that there was enough humour there that worked without the constant farting, um, that it kind of was detrimental to me. Even during the ending scene where he's off farting his way across the ocean again, <laughs> I was still like, oh, hey, here it, it comes takes the fart a lot again. of it takes a lot of farts to propel a body across the ocean. What do you expect? Um, but whereas there's so there's those really funny scenes and occasionally it works, but I don't think it necessarily needed the fart noises. So like when the bear attacks and and Daniel Radcliffe's dead body propels himself onto the fire and sets himself on fire <laughs> and scares off the bear, I was all over that. And 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 they're kind of um, they're almost Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead esque, depressing, nihilistic quips back at one another while Paul Dano's being dragged off by a bear. I really thought that worked very well. Yeah, and and I thought some of the dialogue in this movie was quite funny. Um, it's just it it and, and and when it finds that sweet middle ground, it's really good. It's when it's in either extreme, either the you must be emotional now and think about all of the real things we're talking about, yeah. Or here's five minutes of constant fart noises with nothing else going on <laughs> that I had issues with it. See, I kind of love that it juxtaposes those two things. That's That, to me, makes, makes a lot of sense in that it doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know. I just, I find farts funny. But it's, it's I didn't feel like there was actually that much farting. And there, then, there, dear listeners... <laughs> keep a keep a, a timer of how much farting there is in the first 10 minutes of this movie yeah yeah the, the opening is ridiculous it opens with a lot of farting but as the movie goes on it's not like it's not constant you know at one point it moves on to to stuff about his weird snake-like boner instead yes and and that's better i thought i thought that was funny i think it's just the the unnecessary loudness of the fart yeah see i was i wasn't here for the boner as much i found that quite disgusting and weird and that point where he was like showing him the sports illustrated swimwear mag with the ladies and sort of trying to explain to him in simplistic terms about attraction and love and stuff that bit i did find a bit strange yeah so i found that very strange but i like the fact that it led to a magical boner that leads them in the direction of going home that was great it was funny when he said i think your penis is going us home yes that was that was great i really enjoyed that um but yes the bit leading up to the boner was very weird and that and that again falls into the we're going to talk about real stuff now yeah because it was all again it wasn't just saying here's a pretty picture of a woman get your penis hard it was like (laughs) women are these beautiful magnetic beings that will never truly understand and love is like a box of fruit left on the doorstep (laughs) by by a, a man with a strong beard that kind of thing i yeah. had no time for it was stupid and weird and creepy and, and i re- think a regular Dano film in real life follows women on the bus just putting it out there <laughs> he's married he doesn't need to follow women on the bus he, it's not about the the marriage it's about the power 
Oh, right. you, you, you think he just likes the power? He likes the power of being a bus creep. Yeah. He puts on a fake beard, puts on a pair of glasses, <laughs> and, and he goes out and he's like, no one can see my beautiful cherubic round face this time. Oh, yeah. They don't know it's me because they can't see my face. It's exactly. all about the face. It's all about the face. About the face. Yeah. No buttocks. He's just he's just sitting at the back of the bus with like a ski mask on and no trousers. <laughs> just just yeah, watching watching people on the bus. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so the the, the weird I, and I did find I know that some of it was clearly because of the reveal that he is a creepy man who photographs women. I it's understand I can understand that some of what the build up was is setting him up as this creep, but not all of it. And no, and ultimately it, I think, the movie is still on his side. Yes, and I think that is weird and I didn't like it. And he should have not been a creep on a bus. Yeah, I, I keep wondering ways in which they could have done it without doing that or if there was a way that they, yeah, they could have just, it could have just literally been the journey home and the thing between the two of them. There could have been some other way because the place that he needed to get to was the redemption for Manny, where it's like he thinks they're going to take him away because he's dead and throw him in the morgue and no one's going to come and get him because no one ever does come and get the son of a bitch or whatever the guy said. Um, and then he needs to blast off into the sea. Uh, like, I don't know what else they could have done, but they surely could have had some other element to get to that point. It was almost like all the, the, the sort of the stuff about women and love and romance was all just a device to get to that point but it got too bogged down in that and trying to explore but not really define the notions that people have about love being this kind of mystical thing yeah and and and, and that's where the real problem lies isn't it with this movie that element of it is just, yeah it's just a bit childish and a bit weird and it, you're never sure whether you're supposed to laugh at it it wants you to laugh at the farts it wants you to laugh at the boner it wants you to laugh at most of the stuff but it's not a straight-up comedy and that's what's very confusing about it. Yeah, because you can never really... Are you supposed to hate these this terrible man in the woods? No, I, I, don't, I don't think you I are. I don't think you are. And I think that's where the problem lies, is he's a bad man. I think it wants you to love him. And I don't love him. I want to leave him in the woods and bring the magical farting corpse back with me. Yeah, there's a bit at the end where um, his dad has showed up on the scene because his dad suddenly thinks that he's dead and then realizes that he's not and then he's taking the he's taking Manny's corpse away and his dad's looking on and being like he goes what would your mother think and Paul Dano says to him I think she'd be happy that somebody loved me and that's supposed to be like a huge like zing line to the dad because the dad doesn't love him but they didn't really build that up enough properly yeah exactly um it's supposed to be this big zing and it's like mate you're a weirdo who hangs out with a corpse in the woods who's gonna love you and it makes it makes Um, sense because the film wants us to love him and has built it built it up so that we feel for him but yeah it doesn't have the zing that it should no and and part of the problem is that the film revolves around um romance in a way that's romance is the be all and end all of existence yeah um, and it doesn't matter if it's unrequited romance or not, apparently. And I think that's the real problem is it's not, although it's, it seems to be a movie about finding yourself and, um, and brotherhood and things like that. Really, it is a movie about, um, finding love, but not in a necessarily healthy way. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's about the myth of love almost. And it believes too much in the myth of love being this mystical, wonderful thing that is the greatest thing um, in the world. And, and it is, to be fair. It's good. I don't want to come across as a cold-hearted bastard. You know, I, I'm married to someone that I love and I know what that feeling is like. But it's, yeah, it it believes in this childish myth. Yeah, and, and, and again, I mean, I, I am a, a cold and heartless bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Love is a lie. You're a um, fucking frozen skeleton. I, you you I, are the Ice King. I am Ice King. I, that, that's what X-Man <laughs> I am. I am Ice King. You're the Ice King. Um, that's what Pokemon I am. I'm, I'm King Ice. That's what my name is. King Ice. King that's, Ice. That sounds like, um, like Chalk Ice. I'm like a. It's I, like a chalk I'm, ice, but it's got a crown on it. And I'm a snowman with a crown on and an angry face. <laughs> I'm the evolved form of Frost Boy. <laughs> Frost Boy. <laughs> Nintendo, hook me up. I, <laughs> Nintendo and Game Freak, send me send me uh, an email. I can I can get you some hot new Pokemon. Um, I just yeah. typed I just typed ice into the Pokedex, and the only thing that came up was Reg Ice. Or Regice. Regice. I don't know how you're supposed to, to, to say it. R-E-G-I-C-E. Which also sounds like a like a Cockney who kills people with an ice pick. Or Regice is going to come down and cut you. Yeah. Re- Regice is stupid. It's a dumb thing. It looks actually, it looks like a boss from like an early Sonic the Hedgehog game. It it looks like it could be a Zelda dungeon boss, doesn't it? Yeah. It's got two two sort of icy spikes at the bottom and then it's essentially an iceberg with arms. There are some good ice Pokemon, though. There's Abomma Snow, which is the abominable snowman but in Pokemon form. Um, we, we love Abomma Snow. He's a dude. Abomma Snow. I, oh, hang on. I typed a bow, and then below that is Pumpkaboo. So, obviously, I've got to look at that. Oh, the pumpkin Pokemon. The spooky pumpkin. It's a pumpkin with, uh, like, its hair is like a bat with a yeah. little more curly hair on it. That's, He's that's a dude. Cool. I love Pumpkaboo. There's also the cool. haunted stump, the haunted tree stump. I've forgotten the name of that. And it evolves into a giant, terrifying, spooky tree. Wasn't that the haunted stump a film that we talked about last Halloween? <laughs> um, the best the best ice Pokemon is Sveal, uh, which is a, a spherical seal. <laughs> he, he he's a cutie pie we love him we just we should just turn this into a podcast where we evaluate pokemon dude i mean we would have 700 episodes worth of it where we talk Sveal. oh he's a cute round boy Sveal is is great i love Sveal. yeah but yes a bomber snow is a dude we love a bomber snow um there's also mammo swine which is a giant mammoth dude he's livid um uh, well wouldn't you be if you were extinct well, exactly, yeah, and then and then you've got Vanillux, which is a giant um, two cone ninety nine flake. Seriously, S- seriously, Holy Vanillux, shit. it's great. Everyone like the later it. ones, just like seem like they just went to a, like a a class of year four students and asked them to design Pokemon. Exactly, and that's why they're great, and that's good. That's, <laughs> that's so that, good. That's a very good thing. But yeah, Swiss Army Man, right? It's it's like it was written by some teenagers. Yeah, it's a fart. It's a fart man, and love is pain. Why am I in the friend zone movie? Yeah, well, no, he's he's not even in the friend zone. He's in the back of the bus. No, but it, he thinks he's in the friend zone, but in truly, he is just the creep on the bus. Yeah, 
But then as soon as he gets the phone signal back and he's looking at her Instagram, you're like, oh, shit, of course. Yes, yes, it is not good. We we just sat through this whole montage of them in like a fake bus of him dressing up as a woman and then kind of, yeah, doing this whole thing, which reminded me a bit of like that episode of The Mighty Boosh with Milky Joe and the Coconuts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like they were tripping on some bad coconut milk. <laughs> we, just, we just sat through this whole montage of like 15 minutes of that and then suddenly he's got a phone signal i, d- I do like that um it is um it kind of feels silly in the same way that castaway feels silly castaway is a movie i don't really like and i feel as though admitting that on a film podcast is probably a bad idea but sorry i don't like castaway i don't care about his little ball friend etc I I have only seen it once when I was about 12 and I can't even remember it. I just remember it, he has a basketball called Wilson and he shouts at it. Yeah, it's fine. I, I think the movie is fine, but I don't understand why people love it as much as they do. He doesn't even fart once. He does not fart once. Not out of 20. His penis never guides him home. Not out of 20. <laughs> he doesn't walk along to the Jurassic Park theme tune. No, and 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 that that leads us on to talking about the film's music, which I thought was a real strength. Um, I I the loved score the was music. Great. I thought it was fantastic. It was by Andy Hull and someone else, and you know Andy Hull is the guy from Manchester Orchestra, who are a very good band that I like very much. Surely he should be from Hull Orchestra. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're not even from Manchester; they're from America. Ugh. Yeah. But he's very Honestly, good. And they should he, be from they should be from Hull and Manchester, and call themselves the Hullchester Orchestra. They are, and um, they are friends with Kevin Devine, who is like Springsteen to me, and I love him. And I went to see him last week. Um, and they together are in a band called Bad Books, who did that one song that you may recall, which is called "If You Wouldn't." You, which is called "You Wouldn't Have to Ask." But when I played it to you, you thought it said "If I Had a Chihuahua." <laughs> <laughs> oh the chihuahua song the chihuahua yes. song yeah and it, so yeah andy hull is he's the singer on that song ah okay well he, he does if an amazing I had job a chihuahua, have to ask if, if I, had I had a chihuahua, chihuahua. <laughs> um i love that song yeah um, he does a great job here the soundtrack to this movie is really good it's it's got so much great sort of acapella and everything like that it really builds this amazing soundscape that fits the film incredibly well and it also um, has moments where the two of them, Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe, start singing or incorporate their own singing into it, and then it builds into the music itself, which I think works really well as well. Yeah, it feels really seamless. It's great. I really love the moments where they did that. And um, I genuinely think that if it didn't have that music, it would suck. It would really, it would really suck if the score wasn't here. The score is what keeps the film together. Um. And obviously it was a deliberate choice from the directors because um, Daniel Scheinert um, and Dan Kwan, they have a very good history of doing great music videos. So one example right. of that is the Turn Down For What video by DJ Snake and Lil Jon, which have you seen the video to that song? I have not. It's so good. I highly recommend you look it up. It is an absolute stonker of a music video. Um, it is an amazing song as well, might I add, Turn Down For What. If you don't like Turn Down For What, then you ain't got no rhythm. I don't know if I even know that song. I'll probably know if I hear it. It's the one that goes... A lot. Um, it, it had an amazing... No, don't know. <laughs> you don't know it? Oh, mate. 
it's so good. That it's sounds like, like that that nineties ballad song that starts with the piano. Uh, I I can't. I don't know what the fucking song's called. <laughs> okay, so they did. They did. Oh, the video for Simple Math by Manchester Orchestra. Oh my god, have you seen that video? I have not. No, that's an incredible video. It's got our man Andy Hull, who appears as the cameraman in this film and did the music. It's him like spinning in a car in slow motion. It's really good. Uh, okay, I've now secretly put turn down for what on whilst I'm uh, whilst I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna listen to <laughs> I, see if I, can I do really it. love turn down for what. It's such a cool song. And yeah, it's got this really great video of basically people falling through ceilings, dancing, and then like doing silly stuff. It's really good. If you like um, Swiss Army Man, it's got a very similar feel to it, I suppose. Does it have farting? It does not, but it does have people hitting things with their crotch and them exploding. That's cool. I, I'm down with that. Which, yeah, it's a, re- it's a really great video and a really good song as well. Now, DJ Snake, that's a stupid name. What would be worse though, DJ Snake or MC Snake? Oh, MC Snake is way worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, like you just, you could just pick out yeah any any kind of quite basic generic animal, like DJ Gerbil or DJ. But, Fox. but does it help? Does it help matters if if you learn that he is French because the French can get away with using sillier names? Absolutely, yeah. They're yeah. allowed. To, they're allowed to do whatever they like. Um, because because DJ Snake's a cool one. He he did um lean on you know the song with um major laser and Mo, yeah yeah, yeah a, that's a cool little track that's a banger um mo is awesome by the way i don't even know if it's pronounced mo or if it's pronounced mo. it's one mm. of those un- unpronounceable danish letters it's like bleh. <laughs> uh she she's great she's really good and i yeah i love um i love lean on i think it's an absolute banger of a track it's got some nice synthesizers on there but yeah, so, I don't know. Something about the name DJ Snake I just always find really funny. <laughs> yeah, and I think because he's French, he can get away with it. If he was British and called himself DJ Snake. Everyone would be like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's a guy you'd meet down the pub who'd offer to sell you a fridge. But instead he's, he's like... He's mates with Pete Davidson. <laughs> he is mates with Pete Davidson. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but, I've got, um, got to get this fridge deal done quick because I've got to get down Oceana and mate DJ Snake's playing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But he's not actually playing there. He's just hanging out there and talking to the DJ. Yeah, yeah. He's told um, everyone that he's playing there, and actually, he's just hanging out. But but instead, it's oh, je m'appelle DJ Snake, who <laughs> 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 est la bibliothèque. Shame <laughs> la bangers. Je je regarde DJ Snake dans la discothèque. Je suis un funky homme. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's fine because he's French. He can get away with being called being called DJ Snake. Absolutely, he's good. Not DJ Fart. Not DJ Fart. Not DJ Hank. DJ Hank. <laughs> I wonder if there is a DJ Hank. There's got to be. There probably is a DJ Fart. So there, there is djhank.bandcamp.com. I think there is a DJ Hank. Okay. Uh, if I, if I type DJ fart in, I'm just going to get lots of videos of DJs farting. Aren't they? DJ fart in the club. Yep. DJ fart in the club. <laughs> oh no, that is a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> but is there DJ fart Garfunkel? <laughs> fart Garfunkel. <laughs> I don't see DJ fart Garfunkel. I think I found my DJ name. Here a new electro tinged mix by a rising Berlin talent called DJ fart in the club. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's, it's um like the artwork is just the wind emoji. <laughs> That's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to that. As a side to this, through through the power of Google, I have found someone doing hand farts to the sound of silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, jeez. Have they like replaced all of the instruments with hand farts, or no? It's just they're doing playing the it in the background, and someone's just doing hand farts along to it. Oh, rubbish! Thank you, internet. Thank you for sharing this with me. That's 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 not as good as like automaton covers. You seen those? <laughs> yes, yes. I love the automaton. I think I might get one. I think you should. And maybe it might be the a thing that I can use to soothe my baby to sleep. <laughs> Definitely. That's my impression of an automaton. If you don't know what an automaton is, you don't know shit. I think check it in the show notes. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, I really liked how in Swiss Army Manny says to Manny, Manny, if you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. And that is a that is a, a truth universally recognised, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when when you Jurassic, gotta go, you gotta go. Jurassic Park is an absolute dude of a movie. Yep. A true legend. Yeah, it's absolutely great. It's one of those rare moments of truth that, that this movie manages to find is its is its treatment of um of Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's and then it just has kind of grotesquery and whimsy and all of these things. But I think I re- I really appreciate that it's it's trying to do something that's very, very different from most filmmaking, if that makes sense. Yeah, it takes risks, and I like that. I think the the what works about this movie is where it takes those risks. Maybe not where it has fifteen minutes of fart noises. But hey, um, it's not it's not just noises. <laughs> At a couple of the moments, you get to see Daniel Radcliffe's buttocks while he's farting. You as do well. you do get to see his bum. It's like hair, hairy grey corpse buttocks. If you're interested in seeing Daniel Radcliffe's bum, this is the perfect chance to do so. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's got it out in any other films. No, no. Um, but I think it, it works well where it takes those risks and where it does interesting things with soundtrack and, and visualization and things like that, where it, where it lets itself down is through its theme and through its character and things like that, which is where it falls into trappings that a lot of indie movies do. Yeah. Um, so it, it would have been good if it had taken more risks where, where maybe the entire movie had been about them talking about Jurassic Park. That's the thing, because I feel like nobody knew that it was this kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't being sold as this kind of like romantic film that that fell into those sort of in, indie flick stereotypes. It was it was being sold as a fart film. It was being sold as the film that oh yeah, Daniel Radcliffe's farting corpse prompts walkouts at Cannes Film Festival. So if they were going to do that, which is what it became in the media and how they were selling it, yeah, they should have just gone all in on it. And I think I would have liked it more if they had gone all in on it. And and unfortunately, that it leaves that nasty aftertaste of poo. What what does this movie want to teach you and what does it want you to feel? Yeah, what's what's the point of it? Yes, exactly. And really, I just want the point of it to be Daniel Radcliffe's, you know, farting corpse, you know, rolling joyfully onto the horizon. Yeah, I wanted more bear combat. That's yep. what I wanted. Dead man fights bear. Who will win? That's what I go to movies yeah. to see. It was kind of a fake looking bear as well. Yes, yeah. Also, uh, when they fell off the um the pipe that they were climbing and fell underwater, they had a they had a little kiss there. I thought that was kind of nice. That was nice. Yeah, it felt a bit strange because it was all again tied up in the ideas of romance. 
Um, but it was it was a neat little scene, and I think it tied it all together well. Yeah, and you're like, he wants he wants Manny to feel what it's like, I guess. Yeah. Slow underwater kiss, and that was the moment where you, you feel like there is a like a a romantic connection between them. Although it's it's a romantic connection as a proxy for something else, I suppose. Yeah, more for than sure. it being a true thing. Yeah, exactly. But then hopefully at the end, where he's he's almost gotten to her, he's or he's, he's essentially gotten to her, and then he realizes they're going to take Manny away. He's like, actually, I care more about making sure that Manny's free. Yes, although he should do, given that the woman he doesn't actually know and is just a creep on the bus. Yeah, he's he's still a bus creep, but he's yeah. a he's a bus creep who cares about his friend. Yes. Um. So I don't that that scene didn't really have that much of an emotional impact on me. No. And there's a nice um, scene where they're talking about, oh, if it was just the two of us, we'd do all these things and we'd build this and whatever. And you're like, actually, well, why don't you just do that? Why don't you? Because by having him being a bus creep, it takes away all of the impact of them not being able to do that. There's literally no reason why he couldn't do that. Yeah, apart from that Manny is actually dead. Apart from that Manny is dead. Because the whole thing is that like uh, the romantic journey is kind of bringing him back to life almost. That's the bit that, yeah, it's not quite clear. Yeah, and then it doesn't really resolve itself either. Um, It's all a bit up in the air. He does a David Cameron. He fucks everything up and then buggers off in a fart cloud. <laughs> so, have you got anything else you want to say about uh, about um, that? Only that I like. I liked it when I think he goes away to get the phone signal and he's left Manny sitting on a rock and Manny Denmark if he's sitting there going, "Sitting on this rock, such a comfy rock." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really made me chuckle. And and those moments of um. Of personality behind Manny, I think, are what works really well about this film. That, that the Daniel Radcliffe is the best thing about this, apart from maybe the the way that the soundtrack intertwines with the movie as a whole. Yeah, um, and he's able to inject so much personality into a dead body. It's really quite something. Very impressed with him in this film. Yeah, it shouldn't work, and you never really question the logic of it either. No, no, you don't, and th- and that's a real victory of this movie is you never do question why is there a farting corpse that's come back to life. <laughs> yeah. Apart from because it's funny. Apart from because it's funny. Yeah, in a, you know, a childish way. Um, so um, a little bit of trivia for you about this movie. Yep. Um, this is the second movie that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in where she ends the movie by saying the word fuck. <laughs> no way. Um, the, the other one is um, Ten Cloverfield Lane, which is a great little film. Oh, I have not seen that. Um, it's good. It's a good movie, is old, old Ten Cloverfield Lane. Is that are they part of like some kind of Godzilla universe? Um, not at the moment. The those, those films, the Cloverfield movies, are all building their own weird universe, um, right? But it doesn't really work, and they're all kind of very loosely tied together. And the last one was very poorly received by everybody. Oh no! Um, it's released as a Netflix exclusive on Super Bowl day. And basically, they just said there was it had a big um, advert on at the Super Bowl, and then it was like, "Hey, it's out now. Go watch it." Um, but there's lots of suggestions that really the reason they released it like that was because they didn't want to put it into theaters because <laughs> and they knew that it was bad. Um, yeah, because yeah. like you're not going to go and watch a movie after the Super Bowl, are you? Um, well, lots of people did watch it. Um, yeah. Okay. But I think it was more that they decided that it was a movie to try out a gimmick of releasing it rather than releasing it as a true um, theatrical movie. Um, and I watched it and it was fine. It was a, a hokey sci-fi movie. 
Um, but it wasn't anything special. And I think that's the problem is the first Cloverfield had this made this really big impression. And then 10 Cloverfield Lane was a very clever, twisty, turny thriller. Um, and then the, the latest one was not either of those things. She's very good, though. I like her very much. Obviously, the first thing I saw her in was Scott Pilgrim, which obviously has a very special place in my heart, even though it's kind of, I think we talked about how it's kind of flawed before, but I think she's very good in that. She's in the very awful thing prequel um, where unfortunately everybody decided they wanted to do it. And um, then the studio behind it decided that they weren't going to do it in the way that the director wanted to. And so right. rather than having lots of incredible practical effects, they replaced it with terrible CGI. Oh, um, no. And it kind of ruined the entire thing. And she's fine in it, but the whole thing feels like a bit of a, a waste of time. Oh, that's annoying. Whereas the original, obviously, is this this landmark of horror cinema. Um, the unnecessary prequel proved to be even more unnecessary by them not doing what anybody who was involved in the film wanted. <laughs> Did I watch that film with you, the thing, the original? Have I watched that with I think you've watched you? it with me, yeah. I feel like I have, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Beardy men in the snow getting eaten by um, and assimilated by a weird, creepy monster. Yeah, I, I very much like that. Very much the kind of movie I enjoy. <laughs> Still, no no farting corpse being propelled across the ocean, so North Out no, of 20. No, so North Out of 20, no farting corpses. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good trivia. You got any more? Um, so, so yeah, um, the, the directors told Paul Dano that they wanted to make a movie where the first fart makes you laugh and the last fart makes you cry. That's that's um, good. That's which good. Is good. I could I can see that. I think they almost got there. I didn't cry, but I did feel that it was that I was emotional about Manny getting to yeah, getting his his journey off into the sunset. Um I did not nearly cry. I thought the ending was a good way to kind of bring what had become a something of a mess back to a decent point, but the first one did not make me laugh. <laughs> the last one did not make me cry. Who who but, are you? Do you not laugh at farts? <laughs> I laugh at farts all the time. I just don't laugh at continuous farting with no context. You don't like wet ones. <laughs> They're all quite wet farts, aren't they? Like they they are all wet farts. It's quite revolting if that's not your kind of thing. Um, <laughs> um, Andy Hull, aka Andy Manchester. He composed the film soundtrack, obviously, but he also has a cameo as a cameraman at the end. Yeah, yeah. So he's, is, and he's just standing there, just kind of watching, staring. He's the he's the big bearded bearded man. Um, but yes, yeah, so so that'll do for trivia, I think. Cool. <laughs> it's too tempting. I mainly just wanted to watch this so I could spend a, a good amount of the podcast making fart sounds. I mean, that is very much on brand for you. <laughs> So, so we should we should talk a little bit about the Oscars, but shall we? Shall we? Um, yes, we should. I haven't actually we... looked at the nominations. I know they came out. So, shall we? Um, shall we mark the movie first and then move on to Oscars afterwards? Yes, yes, let's. So, how many farts out of twenty? I think is the <laughs> yeah, obvious that's choice. the obvious choice. Um, I am going to give it. I'm going to give it a fifteen. It's you know it's it's yeah seven point five fifteen. It's a good it's a good three quarters of the way there for me, mainly on the strength of the great performances, the, the, the balance between toilet humor and whimsy that I think works. Can't go any higher because as you say there are problems with its point and with its depiction of romance and putting women on pedestals and being a bit stalkerish and creepy. 
but there's no other f- I genuinely can't think of anything that's really like it and there's a unique sort of tenderness to it that I really like so yeah I'm going to give it 15 yeah whereas I I was not as enthusiastic about this as you were um so it's getting a 10 from me um I do not appreciate whimsy and I do not appreciate <laughs> fart sounds and this movie spends a lot of time f- like going straight from one to the other where it finds that good middle ground um it works incredibly well and where it is at its weirdest it works incredibly well but unfortunately it's kind of it's it's anchored down by nonsense indie boy rubbish um which <laughs> M- stops much it like from... we were in our youth <laughs> much like we were in our youth um and and so it yeah it's it, it is it is kind of hamstrung by um a reliance on indie character tropes and uh some not very funny fart humor slash being all twee um both of which i'm not entirely a fan of uh so yeah so 10 for me you're right that it is it manages to to be twee whilst still being really like carnivalesque and disgusting which i think is kind of an achievement in and of itself it is but it is a is it an achievement that truly makes it a better movie <laughs> no it makes it a fart movie <laughs> Um, so so shall we move on to uh, Oscars? So Oscar nominations are out as of today. Yes, I'm going to open and, them and right f- now. And funnily enough, we were talking about Black Panther and Oscar nominations, and it has received an Oscar for an Oscar nomination for Best Picture. Ah, okay, good. Um, which I don't necessarily think is entirely deserved. I'm not sure if I would name it in my Best Picture. Cool. Well, let's last see. Year. It's up against Black Klansman. Which is fantastic. I have not seen, but I have read the book, which is amazing. Yes, yeah. Um, It is an incredible movie. It works so well as a film. Actually, Um, Black Panther is the only one of these films that I've seen. (laughs) So so I've seen seen four of them. Um, So I've seen Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody and The Favourite. Green Book uh, and Vice are not out in this country yet. I'm not sure no. if Roma is out in this country yet either. Isn't, isn't Roma on Netflix? Is it on Netflix? I oh, think okay. it, it was had a limited release and then went straight to Netflix. And then, Oh, good. Okay, I might have to watch that then. Yeah, I, I want to um, watch that. It looks really good. And I had no interest in watching A Star Is Born. Sorry, everybody involved in that movie. But... Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. Uh, it's got Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga in a standard romance music movie it's because it's got it's got a tiny element of whimsy and you can't put, stand no it put you, those put those you two in swiss hate. army man and take the whimsy out and all over it <laughs> you hate fa- whimsy and you hate love i do not like whimsy <laughs> i despise love <laughs> and singing why am i on this podcast any fucking singing you you um, hate it but I, I i i i i am so tired of films about musicians falling in love with one another um, the only story of musicians falling in love with one another I want to see is you and I, Paddy. <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's that's where this podcast is going. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so so best director, Black. Oh, wait, what about Spotly. um, Only Lovers Left Alive? Well, I suppose he's a musician. Uh, yes, yeah, and yeah. and and that's a weird movie about vampires. Yeah, true. <laughs> Um, so, so best director we've got Black Klansman, Spike Lee, Cold War, um, Pavel Pavlovskovsky, which I've not seen. Um, the Favourite by Yorgos Lanthimos, which I saw, uh, Roma, uh, and Vice. Um, now, do do we think Spike Lee will win because it's his turn? Has he won Best Director before? I don't know, possibly. This um, is the thing, they always they try and give it to someone because it's their turn, don't they? Which is why Gary Oldman won it for doing Jowly Churchill Brexit last year. Yes. <laughs> um, 
I don't know if he's won Oscars yet. I imagine he probably has done, given the number of Oscar noms he's had over the years. But let's have a little look. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, nom, nom. Um, he's eaten all the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> he has won two Academy Award nominations, but he has not won an Oscar from the looks of it. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. To be fair, I haven't seen any of this, but I will make an effort to watch Roma, and I will go and see The Favourite this Saturday. Um, I'm going to be in town, so I will be able to go and see it then. So let's talk about that next week. We get oh, very that. good. Very good. Um, it's one of those things where they haven't released the cinema times yet because they only seem to do it like two days in advance. But I'm there, every day this week it's been on like like 15 showings a day, so I'm sure I'll be able to see it on Saturday. Yes, so so that's going to be my um, that's going to be my movie for next week is the favorite. Given that it has just had this Oscar nomination, it's very good. I've I've um, heard good things. Very good. Um, I've heard it's yes, got a lot of C um, bombs in it. It it does. It uses its swearing excellently. Um, it 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 uses it with great power, which yeah, is, I appreciate which is fantastic. that. Yeah. Um, so, so best actor we've got Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born. Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, partly, I suppose, for his giant teeth, um, <laughs> and uh, Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. And then for actress, we've got um, Yalitza Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Coase for The Wife. I don't know that movie. Isn't it her and Robert Redford, is it? Oh, is it? Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard good things about that as well. Um, Olivia Coleman for The Favourite, Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? So, you know, you've got some some big names in there. Oh, it's not Robert Redford, it's Jonathan Price. I don't know the, where I got that from. Ah, okay. The, the one thing that disappointed me was that there was no um, nomination for Michael B. Jordan for Best Supporting Actor this yeah. year. Yeah, his performance in Black Panther is really, really good. He he is what makes Black Panther a great film. And if it wasn't for him, I don't think it would be anywhere near that Best Picture nomination. But it, no, it, it would feel strange. like a real, a real boring, straight up superhero film if it wasn't for his character. Yeah, and it, it felt like some very good movies were missed off the nominations this year. Um, yeah, which is a bit weird. And and so I think that's part of the reason why Black Panther feels so strange on there is you had movies like Hereditary, which are um, very, very powerful. Um, this generation's The Exorcist. <laughs> yes, although it's not, um, but it's but it's a very interesting movie, and I think that's the kind of film that I think deserves a Best Picture nomination. And what? Where was the Oscar for when we first met? Well, exactly. Where was the Oscar for when we? first When met? is Adam Levine going to get his Oscar for going? I'm fat now. <laughs> although, on a serious point, that would not be eligible for an Oscar, would it? Because it's not had a theatrical release whatsoever. No, and I think aren't they saying is is Roma the the first Netflix original film to be nominated for an Oscar? Because I think it was it's a Netflix production, but it did get a theatrical release. Yes, it got a theatrical release, didn't it? Because um, it had to, right? To in order to get the nominations, it's clearly what they were going after. But yeah, so so I feel like it's it's a weird mix of movies here, and I wonder how much of the nomination of black panther there is just because people have been critical of big budget movies not making it onto the best picture list yeah definitely and whether they will actually not bother to actually give it any of the awards and just be like yeah and i mean it's it's only been we nominated nominated it what more do you want it's only been nominated for that and for um best original song i think or maybe best original score as well 
Um, so it's not as though it's been nominated for anything else. So I wonder how yeah. much of it is just like, oh, well, we've been told we need to put like a big budget movie in here. So let's have a look. Oh, Black, Clans, uh, Black Panther was clearly the best of the kind of big budget superhero movies. So let's just chuck yeah. that on there. But it, it, it's strange that, for instance... Um, you got like a, a quiet place and leave no trace, for example. Both of which I've heard really good things about. Seem like Oscar Oscar fodder. Yeah, I wouldn't have put a quiet place on the list either. Um, no, too too standard. I don't think it really did anything in terms of apart from its sound design, which is nominated for an Oscar. Right. I don't think okay. anything in it was worthy of an Oscar apart from that. Um, and I think it probably deserves it because the way that it does build sound is great. Um, but apart from that, the movie itself, I wouldn't say is that interesting. Um, but but yeah, I do wonder sort of how much of it was, oh, you know what, Black Panther, that's the best superhero movie we've had this year yeah. by quite a way. We'll chuck that on the list. That'll keep people happy. Um, where, whereas, Ryan whereas, Gosling um, on the moon, maybe. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Um, where, whereas, like, obviously you had The Dark Knight released however many years ago that was now, which is a genuinely fantastic movie and that didn't get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. Um, which is quite interesting is that that film is, is much better than Black Panther. Um, genuinely talks about themes in a much stronger way. And I, I enjoy Black Panther much more than that. But it's not hamstrung by the action scenes, whereas Black, whereas uh, The Dark Knight, the, it is an action movie and the action set pieces are all entwined in the theme, whereas Black Panther talks about um, very interesting subject matter, but then has incredibly boring action scenes every so often. <laughs> See, I didn't mind them, but maybe that's because I so rarely watch those kind of films that any action scene is kind of okay with me. It's Yeah, I mean, it, it suffers from the same thing that every single Marvel movie suffers from, which is that the action scenes are just there and they don't really have any kind of emotional impact. Which is that they're for nerds. <laughs> well it, it's more that like you, you look at the action scenes in the first star wars trilogy for instance there's there's energy behind them there's emotion behind them there's stakes behind them you never get those stakes in any marvel movie and i think that's why they are not as interesting to watch necessarily as movies that take risks like the dark knight yeah and so yeah so i think it's a weird choice but i i'm glad to see it on there because i think it's a it's a good film and if they were going to put a big dumb blockbuster on there i'm glad they chose a big intelligent blockbuster instead of putting like infinity war part two on there yeah or mandy with nicholas cage well mandy with nicholas cage is apparently amazing <laughs> it does actually look like quite good fun it's, it's apparently really really good people are describing it as the heavy metal horror movie um and it looks it looks super strange um so i'm i, I actually reckon that might have been a more legitimate choice for best picture than black panther um, at least in terms of having an interesting direction. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Weird choices. I don't know what Bohemian Rhapsody is doing on there either, um, which is a film I liked, but is nowhere near good enough to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I don't know. I hope that Black Panther wins, but I may revise that opinion once I have seen The Favourite. Yeah, and you've not seen Black Klansman. Black Klansman is great. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, actually. The, the book is really, really amazing. It's really worth picking up, actually. You can read it in an afternoon, like a couple of hours. It's it's really, really quick and really stark and really well done. It's the guy's actual memoir of all his stuff. And I, I'm really interested in watching Vice when, yeah, look, when that comes out over here. Great cast. The posters are all over the tube right now. Yes, yeah, it does look very good. I'm not too fussed about Green Book, but... Um... And obviously, you know, I can't wait to watch A Star is Born. 
Yeah, it's going to be your favourite film ever. It's going to be my favourite film ever. You're going Hi, to cry. we're musicians and we love each other. It's got original songs in it. Is it the songs like I love you or <laughs> I love you too? We're musicians and we love each other. But now we're going <laughs> to cry because we need some drama. Oh, but look, it all works out. Cut to a sax solo. Do you like my song, Paddy? That's a really good song. That's, that's the greatest song I've ever heard. And it's I'm, gonna, think, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cry. It's gonna make me. Cry. I think I'm getting nominated for um, best original song in the 2020 Oscars for that one. Yep, that's definitely better than anything that's on this year's list. So, so this year we have "All the Stars" by Kendrick Lamar. Oh yeah, um, that is good. That's good. Something called "I'll Fight." The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns. Now this, have you seen Mary Poppins Returns? No. I, I, well, of course you haven't. It's whimsical. It is whimsical. I've seen whim- it and I loved it. it but somehow that's, manages like, that's, to, that's like the worst song in the whole film. It somehow manages to be both whimsical and a cash grab. How do you do that? How do you combine the two? By making a film. Hey, let's, let's, let's bring back an ancient movie. But let's make it whimsical. If you want to watch a whimsical kids movie, go and watch Paddington. Paddington's awesome. Oh, Paddington 2 is also very good. Yeah, they, those are great. Where was Paddington 2 on the list of like movies? Was That's that... true, actually. Those kind of films don't tend to get recognised so much. And Paddington they? is really well directed. The Paddington films are really well directed. They're beautiful little things. They feel like mini Wes Andersons. Yeah, for sure. But I, I love Mary Poppins Returns. I think it's really good. I think she should return to the grave when she came. <laughs> well, you'll be glad to hear that she does at the end of the film. <laughs> does she get shot? Yeah, she, she she falls in a sewer and Lin-Manuel Miranda closes the manhole cover. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, I'm going to go watch it now. No, she... Um, she, she gets she crushed gets... by the bed from Bedknobs and Broomsticks and then they turn to the camera and say, hey, guess what we're remaking next? <laughs> And then everyone's like, what? Song of the South? Finally? <laughs> I've been waiting for this. <laughs> this is the, the perfect film for when we become an exclusively racist nation after we leave the European Union. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I've I've had my old man <laughs> rant now about whimsy. Yeah. How much I hate it. <laughs> my name's Rob. I hate whimsy. The Swiss Army Man and the Oscars could all go away. <laughs> Give me more horrible <laughs> horror movies like Hereditary. Hereditary should win them all. I don't even think Hereditary should win them. I just, yeah. Uh, my, but, my, but you are right to raise the fact that the Oscars don't recognise horror. Yeah, it's, and, uh, yeah. It's, it seems as though Get Out was just an anomaly, um, which is a shame because horror movies are getting better and better again. Absolutely. Um, and so my, my money's on, of the movies that have been nominated, I'm not sure between The Favourite and Black Clown, which one I prefer, but I'm hoping either one of those two wins, um, just in terms of being very good and being very important films that talk about things in an interesting way. Yeah. Well, as to which director, I'll get it. You know, your gust is as good as mine. It's going to go to um, to me. Um, I'm going to win Best Director. Yep, and Best Actor. And Best, and best actor. actor. Best Animated Short as well. <laughs> I am the Best Animated Short. Oh, dear. Um, anyway, have yeah. you got anything else you want to, to No, want to No, say? I do not. I will. We will hope, 
be back next week to watch the favorite unless i somehow can't get to the cinema in which case i'll let you choose something else but i think i'll be able to make it so that'll be good and then we can talk some more about the oscars then but yeah i'm just crossing my fingers for for black panther right now and um thanks for tuning in we really really appreciate it we hope you enjoyed all the fart noises and all the whimsy and that you'll be back next week for more you can get us on twitter at big boys don't pod email us big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com leave us a rating or review wherever you get your pods um and leave us a little fart as well why not yes yeah leave us a fart that's what we want to hear yeah we just want we just just a little fart. <laughs> yeah. right okay all right well, we'll be back next week to talk the favorite <laughs> bye-bye right, bye